What comes to mind when you think about your age? The number of candles on your cake? The number of gray hairs or wrinkles? Well, take heart. Today, on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah says those numbers only reflect your chronological age. You also have a spiritual age, and the two aren't necessarily connected. From Living in the Light, here's David to introduce Growing Strong in Your Faith. Well, you know, we aren't born into the physical world as adults, and we aren't born into the spiritual world as adults either. We grow. We go through stages of growth, and John wants us to understand that, and he has a special word for us in every stage of our spiritual growth. Today and tomorrow, we're going to talk about growing strong in your faith. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Friends, at the end of each year, we ask you to help us, and uh, we're going to ask you again this year to do your very best to help support Turning Point in its year-end giving campaign. In this particular time of the year, which is one of two times during the whole year where we really talk about resources or money, we just ask you to help us finish the year in, in, in strong shape so that we can face the challenges of the new year. Your gift to us during the month of December will mean so very much. And to say thank you for your gift, we want to send you the 2022 devotional book. It's the best thing we do every year in terms of uh, producing beautiful material. It's leather covered. The leather this year is blue and tan. Um, the, the letters on the outside of the devotional are in beautiful silver. The pages are gilted. There's color on almost every page in the book. But mostly, the book is filled with devotional thoughts to help you get started every day in the new year. And uh, we'd love to send this to you. And we will send it to you when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of December. It's our way of saying thank you. And it's also our way of praying that God will give you a great start to the new year. Make sure you do this as quickly as you can so that we can get this to you in reasonable time and you'll have it for the new year. Once again, the leather devotional, Every Day with Jesus, is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today. Back in the early 70s, we had just started our television ministry in the church in Fort Wayne, Indiana that I'd started in 1969. The equipment that we were given to do television by the station that wanted us to do it was ancient by any standards. For those of you who are in electronics, they were old TK45 RCA cameras. The cameras were so defective that it was often impossible to match the color temperature of the three cameras. So when the director would change camera shots, my clothes would change colors. <laughs> it was a novel thing we did. And I would imagine that there were some who wondered, how did they do that? <laughs> there was a man, however, who knew that we needed help. He owned a large chicken farm just across the border of Indiana in Van Wert, Ohio. One day he called me and asked me if I would come and see him. He said he had a business proposition he wanted to discuss with me. When I arrived at his home out in the country, he and his wife took me to the den in the back of the house and introduced me to their daughter. She was about 21 years of age, but she was confined to a large baby crib. She was a little baby in a 21-year-old body. She could not care for herself in any manner. She could not talk or communicate. But here's the beauty of that experience. 
My friend told me that every Sunday when our television program came on with my multicolor suits, she would listen and he said she would become so excited. She would move her hands in a frantic manner and show more response to life than at any other time during the week. This had been going on every Sunday since they had started to watch the program. My friend then said, my business proposition is this. May every pastor have a chance to experience this. My wife and I would like to buy you three new television cameras for your ministry. I will never forget that moment. And we used those new cameras for all the rest of the time that I was the pastor of that church. And God allowed that ministry to grow into several other markets from Fort Wayne. And it started because of that girl and her response. I often think of the irony of that experience. God used a young woman who was incapable of physical maturity to provide the means for me to teach the truth of God that provides spiritual maturity. God never ceases to surprise and amaze me. We do have an awesome God. Can I get a witness? Amen. Today I want to talk with you about the importance of growing strong in the Lord. In each of the first three messages from 1 John, I have reminded you that there are key words that help us understand John's thinking. I have tried to do this in such a way as to, in some way, communicate a little inductive Bible study along the way. For instance, in the first message, the importance of knowing the key words were born of God. And when we identified the five passages where that phrase was found, we discovered the five tests that help us to know we are Christians. In the second message, the games Christians play, we identified the phrase, if we say, which is found three times in the early verses of chapter one. And those words identified the things we sometimes say that are not true about ourselves. And John tells us what happens to us if we do that. In the third message, trust and obey, we discovered two phrases which helped us to unpack God's truth. Those two phrases are found in verses 3 and 5 of chapter 2. If you mark them in your Bibles, you will see, by this we know him, and by this we know that we are in him. Now these phrases help us to see John's purpose in all of these sections. Now we come today to 1 John chapter 2 and verses 12 through 14. And once again, there are some key phrases. Let me read those verses as you follow in your Bible. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, if you've been following the logic of key phrases, you shouldn't have any trouble picking out the six statements that are almost all alike. I write to you, I write to you, I write to you, I have written to you. John is emphasizing now some truth that he wants us to understand, and he wants us to know that there are some places of growth along the highway of the Christian experience. And so he is going to write to us as if we were representative of three different groups in the body of Christ. Please hear me, these phrases, children, young men, and fathers, are not about our chronological age, they're about our spiritual age. John's talking about children in the faith, and fathers in the faith, and young men in the faith. 
These are not gender sensitive. This is not just about men. This is men and women. Men is used in a very generic way to describe each of us individually. It's a matter of spiritual growth that John wants us to see. Now watch. The little children are the newborn babes in Christ. The young men are more developed Christians who are strong and victorious in spiritual warfare. And the fathers are those who have the depth and stability of ripe Christian experience, having walked with God for many years. Now, these descriptive terms remind us, men and women, that the Christian life is never to be static. We are always to be concerned about growing and maturing. This was certainly a dominant theme in the letters that were written to the churches of the New Testament epistles. For instance, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians on one occasion, and this is what he said to them in 2 Thessalonians 1.3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith, watch this, grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and he said, I am so excited because your faith is growing, and your love is abounding. You're getting better and better. You're moving forward. His concern for the Ephesians caused Paul the Apostle to write these words, Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him. How many of you know it's good for Christians to grow up? Sometimes you wish some of them would get going with the process. Would you please grow up? And Peter spoke about the importance of growing on at least two occasions. In 1 Peter 2.2, he said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, what's the rest of it? That you may grow thereby. And Peter's swan song, the last words he wrote before his death, Second Peter 3.18, this is what he said. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. The writer of the book of Hebrews catches the theme of spiritual growth when he writes in Hebrews 6.1, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on. Let us grow up. Let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So I hope I've established the thought that in the Bible, God wants us to grow. Yes, we're born into the Christian family as babies. But what a sad thing when you've been in the family of God for 20 years and you're still a baby. And there's not a pastor I know that I haven't discussed this with on occasion. The trouble that comes to a church because people never get out of the spiritual nursery. They don't grow. It's like the little boy who fell out of bed one night and his father asked him, how did you happen to fall out of bed? He said, well, I guess I fell asleep too close to where I got in. (laughs) You know, that's what happens to a lot of Christians. They fall asleep right after they get in and you never hear from them again unless they're acting like a baby wanting their own way. Now, I want to take you through this passage of scripture, these three verses, and I want to show you all three of these groups and how interestingly unique they all are and how every one of us here is in one of these three groups if we're Christians. And let me just say, if you happen to be newborn in the family of God, you just came to Christ, you shouldn't be upset about being a child. That's what you should be. And so all of us just need to find our place and see what God wants us to learn from this. First of all, he begins by telling us that as little children, we are known for our fellowship with God. This is found in verse 12 and at the end of verse 13. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. In the last day's newsletter, Leonard Ravenhill tells about a group of tourists who were visiting a picturesque village who walked by an old man sitting beside a fence. In a rather patronizing way, one of the tourists asked him, Were there any great men born in this village? 
The old man replied, nope, only babies. You know, only babies are born. You don't get born great. You don't get born grown up. You just get born a baby. Amen? Now, here are two words that John uses for children. He uses one word in verse 12, the word techne, which emphasizes the relationship of a parent and his child, kind of the newborn baby. And the second word is paideia. It's about the child's role under discipline. Now, these little children have been forgiven, John says. That's one of the things that's very true. If you're a newborn in the faith, what do you think about all the time? I'm forgiven. God forgave me. One of the thoughts that just overwhelms you when you become a Christian is the realization that you've been forgiven. Go back in your Bibles up to the first verse of the second chapter and notice that he uses this little children phrase again. He says, little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When you're a little baby, when you're a spiritual babe, one of the things that overwhelms you is the realization of your forgiveness of sins. You sort of live in the vapor of that. I've been forgiven. And the special privilege for children is relationship. Notice, these little children have known the Father. They've come to know their Father. These are the earliest conscious experiences of the newborn Christian. He rejoices in his forgiveness of his sins through Christ, and he is just so aware of his fellowship with God. You know, he used to take God's name in vain. Now God's his friend. He used to use the name of the Lord in a bitter curse. And now he's the dearest friend in his life. This child, this little baby in Christ has come to understand his sins are forgiven and he knows God. I mean, what a thrilling thing. In fact, in the New Testament, we are told that one of the phrases we use when we are close to God is a phrase called Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, what is the word Abba? It's, I don't want to get frivolous about this, but it would be similar to our word Daddy. Abba and Daddy are kind of contemporary words. And so the little child who's born into the family of God has a relationship with his father like we have a relationship with our father when we're little children, we call him daddy. We're dependent. We're constantly coming with our needs. The little child in the family of God's aware of his sins being forgiven, aware that he now knows God and intimately involved in his personal relationship with God as a young boy is to his dad. And the special purpose for children is that they begin to grow. My friend in Van Wert, Ohio, had a little girl who grew physically but couldn't grow in any other way. She could not mature emotionally or mentally. She could not take care of herself. That was a sad thing. She was confined to a life where growth was impossible in the important parts of who she was. Now, the Bible says that if we're Christians and we start out as babies, that's okay. Just don't stay there. You have to grow. Notice in 1 Peter 2, 2, it says... As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If you're a little baby, you need to get the word and get the milk of the word and get growing. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2, Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he says to them, As I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babies in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, 
In that great passage on love, Paul wrote, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's important when you become a Christian to be comfortable with having the opportunity to be a child. But you don't want to stay in infancy. You want to grow, and you grow by the Word of God. So the special purpose of children is to grow strong. Now, there's a special problem for children, too, and this is very interesting. Once again, go back through the Scriptures, and you'll find little children addressed. Verses 18 and 19 of 1 John 2 puts it this way. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They went out that it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. 1 John 3, 7 says it this way. Little children, don't let anybody deceive you. Ephesians 4, 14 is a very clear passage that says that we should no longer be children. What are children? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Now watch carefully. What John is saying is this. Children are vulnerable. They are born into the family of God. They know their sins are forgiven. They understand who God is. They delight in all of that. But they haven't been taught. They don't have any understanding of the word of God. And so if we're not careful, they can be picked off by those who are out trying to destroy their faith. I've had this happen several times since I've been in a ministry where someone came to become a Christian. And I believe they were generally born into the family of God. But because they could not get into follow-up, they could not get into discipleship and grow, somebody came along with a false doctrine or a cult and picked them off. And they were lost for years to the kingdom of God. John says it's all right to be a child because it's a wonderful experience to know you're forgiven, to know that you've got a daddy, and to know that you're okay. But be careful because your special problem here is that you can be vulnerable to those who would come to deceive you. Now, notice he comes now to his second category. He's talked, first of all, about infancy in the church, infancy in the congregation. Now, we're going to kind of take this a little bit out of order as the way it is in the text so we can take it in chronological order. Let's talk about the young men. As little children, we're known for our fellowship. But as young men, we are known for our fighting. And I mean that in a good and positive sense. Notice verses 13 and 14 in the middle of the verses. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now let's talk about the special privilege of the young men in the family of God. What is that? Well, their special privilege is they're young and virile and strong and they overcome. The young men are busily involved in the battle of Christian living. As you get to a place where you're no longer a spiritual babe and you move into the next phase of your life as a Christian, you discover the wars that you fight as a believer. You begin to get involved in the issues of temptation and purity. The Christian life is not just enjoying fellowship and forgiveness. It's also about fighting the war. The forgiveness of past sins has got to be followed by deliverance of present sins. And justification is always followed by sanctification. It is in the early years of manhood that the decisive battles of life are faced and they're either won or they're lost. That's true for all of us chronologically, but it's especially true in the church. It is during that time that we have all these conflicts between the spirit and the flesh. And it is a very intense war. 
When the heat of passions is most intense and the outcome of the struggle will be reflected in our lives from that moment on. No wonder Paul wrote to young Timothy, and I think he was thinking both spiritually and physically when he wrote this word. 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness. And Peter said the same thing, beloved, I beg of you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I find it really interesting that when I tell people we're at war as believers, they look at me with a blank stare. You know, I'm not at war. My friend, if you aren't at war, you may not even be a Christian. I don't think it's possible to be a believer and not be at war in your heart. There is an enemy out there who's trying to destroy you. There's an old nature that didn't get eradicated when you were saved that's in there trying to undermine everything that God does. So one of the positive signs that you're a believer is that you're going through some of this struggle. And you don't need to be comfortable being in the struggle, but be aware that you're always going to have one until you get to glory. You're going to win most of the battles as you grow along, but you're going to have some struggles. I have them. You have them. We all have them. So Paul is saying, you start out as a baby, enamored with forgiveness, and then you become a young man, and now you're involved in the wars of the Christian faith. The special privilege is young man is overcoming, and the special purpose for young men is to know the word. Now, how do you fight the war? You just don't go out in your own strength. If you do that, you're not going to be victorious. You're going to be a victim. You will not be a champion. You'll be a casualty. (laughs) If you fight in your own strength. But notice how carefully John has preserved for us this truth. Go back and read again what it says. I write to you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. Now the second time he says, I have written to you, young man, because you are strong and the word of God is in you. So how do you overcome the wicked one? You overcome the wicked one who is Satan through God's holy word. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, these young men are strong in the word of God because the word of God is strong in them. You don't get strong in the word of God by bringing your Bible to church. It doesn't work. Or throwing it on the back of your seat until next Sunday. You get strong in the word by letting the word abide in you richly and begin to develop some resources in the word of God. I wrote down just two or three things I want to remind you guys of, and this is true for us both physically and spiritually. The Word of God is the young man's source of strength. Did you know that? Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. What is solid food? It's the meat of the Word of God. If you're still on John 3, 16, you probably aren't on the meat of the Word. Now, John 3, 16 is a meaty passage. But it's usually the first passage everybody remembers. And if you aren't past that, you haven't yet gotten off the milk. You're still on Pablo. You're still on formula. Hmm. John's illustration is pretty intriguing, isn't it? And it makes us stop and ask ourselves, where am I in my spiritual growth? And I hope you're honest with yourself because honesty is the beginning of a new commitment and devotion to God and his word. By the way, the study guide for um, 1 John is now available. You can get that from our Turning Point uh, ministry by going to our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. 
there you will see a picture of this uh, beautiful study guide, Living in the Light. It covers all the material in 1 John. We've, we've taught through 1 John, and we have the material available to share with you. And we'll, well, let me just suggest that Living in the Light is a great small group study. And if you take the opportunity to do that, you can get enough study guides for everyone in your group. You can get the, the CDs and listen to the lesson before you go to the study and then just have a robust discussion about what First John is teaching us concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. This is available from Turning Point at our website. Once again, that's davidjeremiah.org. And friends, we also want to make sure you know that our leather devotional for the new year, Every Day with Jesus, the beautiful devotional that we produce each year, the new edition is called Every Day with Jesus. It's available for a gift of any size during the month of December. It's a way to encourage you to remember Turning Point during this last month of the year. This is a critical month for Turning Point in our giving, and so we want you to know how important your gift is, and we want you also to know how much we appreciate it when you send a gift of any size. Simply ask for your copy of Every Day with Jesus. Thank you for believing in us and for supporting us. And I pray that Every Day with Jesus will be your theme for the year and a blessing in your life. See you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living in the Light, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's filled with daily encouragement for 2022, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org. radio This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Living in the Light, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Back again this year, the home for Christmas Channel from David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions, music, carols, laughter, scripture, pageants, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. Start streaming your Christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free. And enjoy the home for Christmas Channel at home, in the car, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Visit TurningPoint.tv to start streaming today. That's TurningPoint.tv. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. 
Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. William Shakespeare had a character say something interesting in one of his plays. When given the chance to ask anything at all of the king, the character asked that he might never know any of the king's secrets. There are some things we're better off not knowing. Now, none of us is perfect, and we have all had our embarrassing or shameful moments. But increasingly, our goal should be to live a life that is above reproach, to use the Apostle Paul's description of spiritual elders. We should live the kind of life that does not fear being exposed, the kind of life that has nothing to hide. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's purity on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.